This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Rubin. How you doing this Saturday morning? Doing well. Um, have not done uh, any physical exercise despite my appearance this morning. Look like I just finished a workout, but yeah. not true. You were just running out <laughs> to the street, what, to dump the garbage, to... Running out to the street to move the scooter. Oh, okay. yeah, it, was, it was very exciting, you know, top priority. Is it one of those things where you're parked on the wrong side of the street for garbage collection day or something? Is that? Or... You know, they're actually, San Francisco's not enforcing um, any of the parking restrictions, besides <gasps> if you're like overparked at a meter um, right. during all of um, shelter in place. So you don't have to move your cars for street cleaning since we've had to shelter it it was more of a just trying to save the spot to <laughs> have the um the family car come back from the grocery pickup so that we didn't have to load it from very far away wow <laughs> unload it from very far away <laughs> cool cool well um okay so i'm i'm changing topics here uh i don't know if you, oh, you don't want to keep talking about grocery delivery and me moving scooters <laughs> that's not yeah, super interesting I, I think we've maxed out the topic i think we've taken it at the nth degree okay i would say probably farther yeah yes, we could right. stop um so i don't know if you remember but there were actually two over- overlapping events that made uh the podcast this podcast possible and i talked on the show about how i was reading my book droid maker to my my son while he was driving back and forth to la yes. um yes. but the but the first um thing that catalyzed all this was being invited onto a popular podcast called Photoactive and talking about Neomodern with these two guys, Kirk McElhern and Jeff Carlson. And uh, this is Jeff. Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Nice to meet you. Where are you? Uh, Up in Seattle. Oh, that's cool. It's fun. I mean, you know, because uh, I don't know, the internet is what it is. You can be connected to people and you don't really know where their physical geography is all the time. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and there's also that thing where you see somebody come to town or they're they're posting pictures like from downtown Seattle or l- like the time when you were at, on the uh, San Juan Islands. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, hey, Michael's in the neighborhood. <laughs> like, you know, we um, hadn't, you know, planned anything or anything like that. But there's just that, that sense of like, oh, okay, well, hey, so, you know, somebody's close by. It's like a weird proximity thing, even though, uh, I mean, I don't think I've seen you in person for... 20? I don't know how many years. Twenty, maybe. Possible. Like okay. Mac- how did you guys go, meet the first so, time? So here's go the ahead. Thing. I, um, there was when I started writing books um, that, that that I wasn't publishing myself. I was working with a publisher called Peach Pit Press out of Berkeley, and they specialized in tech books and for creatives, basically. And um, so I'll, I, well, I, my field was writing about making movies and television shows um, with Final Cut Pro and iMovie and stuff like that. Um, I would occasionally meet other authors who were writing books in their 
their fields and other fields, operating systems and doing typography and using Photoshop. And I, you know, I met a lot of creative guys and one of them was Jeff who, his titles were always super popular and everyone always pointed to him as like, someday you could be like, this is what it looks like when you're like, you've nailed this. And so I didn't, I didn't really know what you wrote about. I just, I, I thought of you as a photographer and you wrote all the, some of the early books about that. But I start, like, in thinking about it, you've written, your website says a ridiculous number of books. How many books have you written? I actually don't know. Um, I I should at some point try to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. But if you count, you know, the, like, like book updates, which um, I, I very much do count because they always seem to be just as much work right. or al- almost <laughs> as much work as, as, as writing one from scratch. Um, I mean, easily in the 30s or 40s. Uh, wow. number of books That's I mean books. so so here here's the thing that dates me is that my first book was on the Palm Pilot <laughs> wow <laughs> and the question is like how many people listening to this like even know what that is <laughs> but what were you doing it was was it was, was it just about technology around how to be how to use your Palm Pilot more efficiently or was it about the camera on the Palm Pilot or what were, were no you cameras talking about on Palm Pilots no Palm I mean no 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 cameras on the Palm Pilot then no it, it was it was literally it was the um, so Peach Pit had this series called the uh, Visual Quick Start Guides yes, and it was you know a lot guide. of that's right a lot of step by step a lot of um, you know a lot of pictures and so it was all the ways to use a Palm Pilot. And, you know, at the time, uh, it, it was a little personal organizer. You do calendars and a little bit of email, kind of, and, uh, you know, just like that sort of organizational stuff. And you could get other apps. And so they came to me. I had actually written a chapter of a friend's book about, um, like, like online digital marketing, like in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, uh, was running up against a deadline and he said, can you write about this? I was like, yeah, I could write about anything. Sure. <laughs> and, and so I, I wrote two chapters of this book and like the, the, the sort of book writing bug got me. And then sort of one thing led to another and the good folks at Peach Pit, who I knew through a lot of people that I was working with said, um, you know, if, if you ever have any ideas, let us know. And, one night when I was uh, totally like blocked on trying to write an article, I wrote like two or three sort of mini proposals and sent them off and just like, okay, I just got to get this out of my head. And what kind of topics what, what um, were you thinking you'd write about? Are you oh, a photographer? What, were, you, were you a photographer? No, not really. No, no. Not I, in those I, days? I, I, I was mostly like a, a Mac guy. Ah. So, um, you know, which I, I mean, I've, I've been a Mac guy. I've written about Macintosh stuff. Uh, for forever Um, I at the time I had started publishing some articles in uh, Adobe magazine Mm -hmm. and um, I I eventually had a column there that just sort of talked about design and graphic design like I was never a professional graphic designer but I knew a lot about it and could write about it so you know just a freelance writer basically um, who followed all these different topics well i it's um i i gotta say the macintosh when it came out in 84 85 um i I got one i have it sitting over here somewhere it's still like on a pedestal my my se 
Um, and I always felt that this device, it was like a prosthetic device. And I was sort of um, unable, like without this device, I couldn't really write because it had spell checking and, and I could never read my <laughs> writing and it made it clean. And it let me do design where I never would have had the skills to really be a designer. I knew what it took to be that, but I could use the early versions of some of those pieces of software. So what, yeah. So in those dawn kinds of days, when you had version one of Photoshop, PageMaker, you know, all that stuff. Print shop. You could, yeah, you could get yeah. into doing this, and uh, it made me <clears throat> sort of widely functional. If you were interested in business, you could apply. Knowing one person could do the design and the graphics mm-hmm. and the newsletter and what eventually became a website and... So, but I never thought to educate about it. I just felt this device changed me. It made it possible for me to have a career in whatever else I wanted to do because I knew yeah. how to use it. And you wrote the manuals. Like you wrote in a time before manuals, the visual quick start <laughs> guides made it possible for anybody to, to just get the software and, and do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and that was kind of the point. And I have to say, like, I have uh, several instances through my life where I look back, I was like, I was kind of a snob. And then I ended up doing the actual thing that I was being a snob about. Cause I remember <laughs> being like, 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 Oh, like, like, you know, computer manuals, software manuals, like most of the time they were really dry. They weren't very interesting. I was like, Ugh, like I use a Mac. I don't need to read a manual. <laughs> I can figure everything out. And so like, I kind of developed the, the mental muscles to do that. And then um, Adam Angst uh, is a, a friend of mine. He he publishes uh, Tidbits, mm. which is a, a weekly Mac newsletter that's um, actually this week uh, celebrated 30 years. Like like in, oh, wow. Tidbits is, Tidbits has been around before the web existed. That's horrific to think about the 30 years. I know, years. I know, I know <laughs> honestly. I know. And so um, he he wrote this book called The Internet Starter Kit. Which, uh, you know, at the time, if you were on a Mac, getting onto the internet was a very difficult thing. And it actually had, uh, like, like you could, I believe it was on a disc, maybe even on a floppy disk. It had, like, mm-hmm. like the, the communication software that would sure. let you do it. And that was the first thing that I read. Like, I, I read his book cover to cover because it was engaging and friendly. And it talked to you as if, like, hey... You and I, we are buddies on this journey to try to figure something out, to try to learn this thing. And it, it, it opened my eyes to, oh, like it, a manual doesn't have to be dry. And people want to know how to do this. They want to learn how yeah. to use a Palm Pilot. They want to <laughs> learn how to use <laughs> iMovie. They want to, you know, like all the way literally to everything that I do now is trying to connect with somebody who says look i want to be able to take better pictures i want to be able to to edit my photos and you can say okay well you know go to this slider and this slider and this slider but you know what you're really doing is just sort of sitting down with somebody and saying all right let's let's walk through it let's do this in a friendly way because so many times and I, i see this a lot and you have people who they have the desire like they want to learn something and then they run into bad documentation or terrible interfaces or you know all these little blocks and first of all they'll say okay i just 
can't get past this or this is too complicated. Yeah, clearly I'm not ready for this. Yeah, I don't exactly. have time for it. I can't do I don't this want it enough. Yeah. I don't want but it see, enough, clearly. Right, and, and, and exactly. Like, like what you both just said was uh, the, the, the thing that happens so often, which is like they, they bring it on themselves. Like, oh, well, I'm not smart enough to be able to use this program or it wasn't designed for me. And, you know, like that's like the big problem with most of the tools that we use. And now the tools that we use are are the things that we need for you know photography and just you know communication and all of that so, so it, it, the tools for for the longest time in your career and my career you had to be unbelievably motivated to buy to spend the money to get yes. the various devices and then of course if you spent all that money you were highly motivated to read those manuals and learn this stuff but over our lives this stuff has been democratized the barrier to entry is lowered and the computers that are super high powered are everywhere and connectivity is everywhere and now we have cameras everywhere i mean you yeah. used to have to go buy that camera and get your stuff processed or or learn Photoshop, which was maybe arduous if you're just kind of a hobbyist. Right. But now everyone's got a Leica in their pocket. And and it's sort of like when video first started, that okay, you can now you have a camera. You have that, but do you know what to shoot? Do you know how to make it look like the pictures that you like? You see pictures all the time and you love them. What's the the delta between I've got a camera, why doesn't my picture look like that picture? Right, And you right. do that. You're like taking people by the hand to show them what it takes to make the pictures look like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the goal, definitely, because, you know, we've all fallen into the trap. I remember uh, when I bought my first DSLR, uh, so I started with a um, – I had like a like a Canon Super Zoom. It's um, a big camera. It's a big, heavy, expensive device, right? Well, the, the, actually, the, the the one that I had was was fairly compact. It it was just like you know, a, it, it was a fixed lens, but it it could zoom to like you know, two hundred x or one hundred forty x. You know, wh wh however they wanted to market that that zoom. <laughs> um, I I bought that because. Uh, you know, before that, I had only had little point and shoots, and uh, my family and I we went to Africa, um, uh, and went on safari. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to go on safari, I can't, you know, have this little dinky little point and shoot. <laughs> but I wasn't ready to go for a DSLR and like like all of that that entailed. And so I got this this Canon power shot. I don't even know whatever it is um, that would let me zoom quite a bit and. You know, you look at it now, the quality was just kind of eh. But it totally got me into photography, got me into, like, just that mindset of, of what to look for when you're shooting. And so, uh, getting back to the point I was trying to make, uh, w when I finally moved up to a DSLR, I was like, well, now I have a DSLR. Like, all my problems are solved. I'm going to have, like, <laughs> like, like Great. you know, I'm going to be able to take pictures at night, and it's going to be great. And, you know... <laughs> And I remember taking a picture of uh, there was like this this library near the office that I was at the, at the time, and you know I honestly did not really understand about shutter speed and aperture and all of that because I had been using cameras that did all that for me, mm -hmm. and so the camera did that for me, but because it was a really dark scene, it set my shutter speed to like you know one. <laughs> third of a second or something like that. <laughs> you know, and I'm standing there handheld and uh, I, I didn't have any ISO turned up and I was like, oh, 
Oh, it didn't just make this perfect. Oh, I have to learn all this. So your picture started technically, you have the capacity, you knew how to do all this, you got into the software and you you probably know every piece of photo manipulation software out there, right? Uh, um, not all of it, but I've I've been able to, to use quite a bit of it. Um, uh, I've written a bit for dpreview.com and, and that's been good because uh, I've been able to to look at some of the other programs that aren't Photoshop, that aren't Lightroom, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's it's this curious thing where, uh, you know, for, for the longest time, if you wanted to do photo anything, you had to get Photoshop. Right. To the point where everybody was like, oh, well, I need Photoshop. And they would, you know, spend a vast amount for Photoshop and Adobe's use. built on it. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, even to the point, I mean, Photoshop Elements exists because... I, I believe because people said, well, I need Photoshop. I don't want to spend the, the big amount for this, so I can just spend $80 for that. I don't think people realize that buying Photoshop for most of my career was a $700, oh, yeah. $900 kind of expense. It's like a camera. It, this is not like just getting some software. Well, now it's a subscription. And now so it's a subscription. Right. So they spread that month, out, but realize what you're getting People don't realize the cameras they have. Twenty years ago, people would spend twenty and thirty thousand dollars for that kind of resolution and a high yeah. definition signal. And Photoshop the same way. You just wrote a book on uh, another Luminar. product. That, did that just come out? Is it yes, out? Yes. Yeah. It's it, it's out now. So congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. It's what the is it? Photographer's Guide to Luminar Four. What is Luminar Four? Luminar Four is well. So. So you, um, you mentioned the the uh, uh, subscriptions of, of Adobe, right. and uh, what I think has been a really interesting after effect of that is you know so uh, Adobe switched all of its software to the subscriptions plan, mm-hmm. and you know d- depending on on what you need what you use it can work out really well. There's like a a, a ten dollar a month and a twenty dollar a month where you can get Lightroom and Photoshop and mm-hmm. like. Like the, we have those at we had those at Neo Modern. It's it, and it's exactly. a great deal. Ten or twenty bucks mm-hmm. when you're just a photographer and you can get Lightroom, Photoshop. But they're a superpower. Like I, I don't even use Photoshop anymore. I just use Lightroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, exactly. And so there were a lot of people who were like, "Oh, like I'll never pay a subscription because I want to own my software. I just want to buy it once and then maybe upgrade in like three or four years." And you know, I that was expected because people don't like change and quite mm-hmm. honestly a lot of photographers really don't like change mm-hmm. and so um you know like okay that was fine but that's kind of persisted like i think uh, it's been what five or six years now since adobe switched over to to its subscriptions and as a result there were there were so many people who just did not want to do a subscription that a lot of these smaller companies like that that's one of their main marketing points is look you can spend eighty dollars and this software is yours yeah and you know next year when we update it or in two years when we update it you know maybe you'll spend fifty dollars or or we'll have you spend the same amount again and the software doesn't go to the the ninety ninth percentile it just covers some you know what you use all the time you know 95 percent of the time but it's not yeah you know you have to pick well, I don't, your- luminar it looks pretty advanced i mean it looks pretty sophisticated i don't know if it has all of the bells and whistles and the plugins to, i mean obviously not to the rest of creative cloud or doing motion graphics or things like right. that but just the examples on that i'm seeing it it looks pretty robust 
It is, yeah, yeah. It's really robust, which is which is one reason why uh, we decided to write this book uh, about it. So um, it's being published by Rocky Nook. Yay! And, uh, Yay, yeah, Rocky Nook. Yeah. We love Rocky Nook, um, and so they. Uh, the origination of this book basically was we got together and said, okay, there are all these other options and, and alternatives. Which one looks like it's going to have the most interest, the most impact, the most longevity that we could build a book around it? And so we looked at you know a bunch of different ones and came up with Luminar partially because uh, Skylum, the company doing Luminar, they were being very aggressive about, okay, we are going to be the Lightroom alternative, Right, and so um, and the other thing about Luminar is, um, as as you said before, um, you know, it, it doesn't have everything that Photoshop does. Nothing, nothing has everything that Photoshop does, and that's that's actually a good thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's very much geared toward photographers. It's not like Lightroom in that same way that Lightroom yeah. is doesn't understand. And you know, do. You, do layers you just manipulate your image does it have selection yeah. tools well so it, it does not have selection tools it does have layers it does have masks and so you can kind of do selections uh by by doing masks wait, but wait, wait sorry not in the same S- way selections for our audience who is doing this stuff means oh, yeah. you want to affect some part of an image differently than some other uh, part of the image you might make one area brighter one area you know you want to make your and so it'll there are various levels of sophistication of how you can pick the parts you want to do sometimes you could just draw a circle but sometimes that's not enough and you want to yes. have some uh, real nuanced ways of selecting and photoshop has myriad mir- miraculous ways of selecting <laughs> where would you say luminar is on that yeah so so, so luminar will definitely it, it definitely has areas where you can um i, I mean you, you can you can paint in anywhere on the image so you know you can you can dodge and burn um you right. could you know set uh, uh gradients that you know only affect the sky that sort of thing what it does not have is like a selection tool where you first have to make the selection and then maybe feather the selection and that's like, like, fine that's fine exactly okay. exactly and, and 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 here's the thing about luminar that i think sort of uh makes it different than most of the others is uh, they've invested a lot into the AI tools. Now, I know I said AI tools and I kind of roll my eyes when I say that because like it sounds so gimmicky. Uh, it's like, oh, well, we have AI. It's like, oh, we've got Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. What does it mean? What, is it, what, what does it do? So, so here, um, it, basically, they've implemented in a couple of different ways. One is um, when you're doing some of the like automatic adjustments, it has this, this um, like you know, one slider make better um, command <laughs> AI accent. Make make um, better. That's just it, that's it, the gradient. <laughs> I just want to make it a little better. Oh, I want to make it a lot better. That you know, and and it's crazy because um, it, like it actually works that way because you know they're the, the the AI is like it's all machine learning that's been trained with you know hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of images, Probably. and so it, it it can look at your picture of say like a field of tulips and it'll say okay well that kind of looks like a sky this looks like the foreground foreground looks dark and and based on all the other different photos that it's looked at 
it can do a pretty good job of saying, okay, well, we're going to add some contrast to the sky and we're going to bring up the, the exposure in, in the foreground. Wow. And, and like, like I would say maybe 80% of photos you can, you know, use the AI accent and it'll get you either where you want it to be or 90% of where you want it to be. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and so, so for photographers who don't want to deal with masks or layers or any of that, like that's great. So, so that's, that's one part of the AI. The other part, um, it actually has some really good portrait tools because software can recognize when you have a person in your photo or several people. And, you know, it, it can recognize like this is a face. And because it can recognize that, it, it can recognize, well, you know, these are eyes, this is a nose. And once it has that knowledge, it can do interesting things. So there, there's a control, for example, that lets you uh, basically add clarity, um, which is in, in many cases, what you're doing is you're, you're increasing the local contrast. And so uh, like you add clarity to a landscape, it, it kind of makes things pop a little bit more. It's not like just sort of, you know, hammering at contrast. Right. But, That's too you know, big a hammer. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, the problem is if you have, let's say, you know, one of us in the foreground against this beautiful backdrop and you increase the clarity, well, clarity is terrible on human skin. Like it's, <laughs> it's going to, it's going to, uh, you know, a- emphasize every little facial wrinkle, yeah. you know, everything. <laughs> you know, and so what you would have to do in Photoshop is you'd have to mask out the person's face right. and blah, 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 blah here. Like it knows, oh, there's a person here, so we're going to apply this clarity to everything except for the person. And you know, again, like you move a slider, and there it goes. Um, the some of the portrait tools will let you, you know, just increase the contrast in in eyes, or you know, make make someone's lips just a little bit more saturated mm-hmm. when you're doing like th- those kind wow. of portrait things. And it knows that it. You're right. AI would identify where the lips are and exactly. w- what what a face is. So it's selecting intelligently instead of based on just physical drawing. Yeah. You know, yeah. the attributes of the pixels. That's right. fascinating. Right. And, yeah. and what's also cool is, um, let's say you you just did a, a, a portrait session and you've got, you know, 10, 15, 20 pictures of somebody. You've narrowed it down. These are the ones that, that you like. You're going to edit one of them and make them look really good. The, you know, maybe a little bit of skin smoothing, like I said, the, the, the lip saturation, what have you. And then you want to take those settings, you want to apply them to the other shots because you don't want to have to edit each one individually. Well, if you had had to make a mask for all those things, you know, as you know from shooting in portraits, you know, people move even if it's just like a little turn to the head or a little, yeah, you know, like, like different for every single image. Yeah. yeah. So because of the AI stuff, you do your edit on your first one and you say, all right, copy these edits to the others. And it, okay, <laughs> well, amazing. I'm not going to, you know, put you know, a, a a red saturation just like through somebody's nose because the 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 lips, <laughs> right? You know, so like like that kind of stuff. That it's making it easier so that you can focus on. Okay, I just want to make this person look better. I don't want to have to become an expert at masking right. and and all of that. That sounds now, great. 
Honestly, that does sound great. I mean, it does. I, part of the motivation for Neo Modern was that I didn't think people wanted to learn these advanced tools. They're just kind of hobbyists <clears throat> in photography. They want their pictures to be better. And for me, the, the solution was just defer to someone else. Like, let, let's get an expert using an expert tool. But what I, and of course, that didn't really work, did it? Now, but what, I, what I've learned is that, you know, people want to like if they are interested in their photography they want to do this but they don't want to do it to the nth degree but they do want to fix yeah. things up before yeah. they post them you know yeah. just for a second uh right and luminar huh luminar yeah well and i will also say that if you do know what you're doing or you've had some experience with uh photo editing a lot of that stuff is there too so like i said there are masks there are layers um you can actually you know uh like create a new adjustment layer and just apply any of the the edits. So, you know, let's say you want to go crazy and, you know, make your sky uh, uh, super dramatic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you you crank the, the dramatic slider all the way up and it's not quite there because you're, you're bored out of your mind. You're just going to go <laughs> home. So you, create an, a, another adjustment layer and basically do the same thing and it, it, it doubles it up. Like, so it sounds like, complicated. It sounds complicated to so do that. It, it can be complicated. That's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the point. It has is, range. It has range. It has it's, range. It, it's simple for, it has a simple presentation. So if you don't want to do anything, it actually does that very well, but it has range underneath the hood. Is that what you're saying? That's an excellent way to put it. Yes. Yes. So if you know what you're doing, or if you read my book, da 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 da, from Rocky Nook, available today at Amazon. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, then, then you know, you, you'll learn how to take advantage of all that. Is it and a phone? Was, is it on the phone or is it a desktop app? It's only on the desktop. It's on it's on Mac and Windows. Um, I it would be great if they had a, a mobile version, but I think um, if if they're working on one, I mean, honestly, it would be crazy if they're not working on one. But uh, I think this is a thing where Adobe had such a head start that they could make uh, Lightroom and make that mobile mm -hmm. and do that before people really realized that, oh, no, it would be great to edit things on my iPad on my couch rather than having to go up to my office or what have you. Do you use yeah. an iPad? I do. You do. I never really got into the iPad. Suzanne, do you have an iPad? Yeah. I uh, Actually, we were just putting <laughs> Photoshop Pro on it, or Photoshop Pro, putting um, the Creative Cloud and putting the putting Photoshop on it this morning because I have, uh, well, we have, we have a 12 year old. And so it's just making sure that I'm like, just use the right tools. Don't, she, I mean, now Luminar actually sounds quite interesting. I'm fascinated, but yeah. she has this thing called procreate, which I'm like, this is just watered down Photoshop. Like this isn't even, you can't do the things that you need to do when you're having to do all these workarounds. Like you're just, you're teaching yourself bad habits. Don't do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I mean, but now Luminar is actually quite fascinating and it is, Photoshop is more complicated. It's something that I've like kind of like grown up with in a way. Right. And so I feel really comfortable with all the different things and I love finding out the new features, but it's still, I think what I like about, you know, your, your sort of, um, like it, it's like it's a it's like you're more invested than a YouTube tutorial. You know what I mean? You yeah. actually I can we can listen to the to these books or read these books and be able to kind of have that that full narrative like with someone that cares about sitting down with us and telling us because I think even with 
you know, especially a lot of Apple products, is they're like, oh, it's so intuitive, you'll figure it out. But that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, finding out like how to do the, you know, the slow-mo edit on just doing uh, on your phone, where it's like, oh, if you actually can double click on that carrot, and then you can change what part of that video is slow-mo. It doesn't have to be, you know, I remember in the beginning trying to get it just right so that the right part of the slow-mo <laughs> would be there. And my mm-hmm. a friend of mine who actually develops the camera app for Apple, um, he's like, oh, no, 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 you just do it like this. And I was like, and when were they going to tell us that? Like, <laughs> so much is hidden. Have, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So much is yeah. hidden. So that's why it's so great to have um, th- kind of these tutorials that help you learn more and these books that actually help you dive in in an entertaining way. Hey, uh, Jeff, is your book designed um, so that people read it like cover to cover? Or is it one of those things where you flip it open, you read something you're kind of curious about, and then you drift into something else and you learn a little bit more and you go try? Like, is it yeah. nonlinear in that sense? Part of it, yeah, actually, it is fairly nonlinear. You can absolutely go front to back. Um, there's a like I wrote a section of you know how to read this book because <laughs> um, you know that like the, there are some things that that you're gonna want to jump into. I mean, you know, in an ideal world, you sit down and you start editing your photo, and you're like, okay, now I must uh, work on the exposure, and now I must work on sharpening, and you know, like. That never happens. Come on. <laughs> you look at something and you're like, okay, uh, this needs some color adjustments. I'm going to jump on that first. Or, right. you know, this needs... Or you, the minute you learn color adjustments of some kind, then you go back through all of your pictures realizing, yes. oh, crap. <clears throat> I could, now I've learned this one new tool. I'm going to go apply it to every one of my pictures. And then you go read another chapter and you do it again, right? Yeah. Actually, that, it, it brings up an interesting point, though. You wrote um, one of your uh, kind of uh, podcasts was about the value of returning to your photos. And how important it is to actually go back and look at your old work and look at things that you may have shot, you know, a, a year or longer ago. Great advice. Can you, can you like tell us a little bit more about the value in that and why you find it so important? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, part of it is, you know, is sort of like a byproduct of, of, of how I work and what I do is because, you know, when I'm running articles or books, I always have I'm always on the lookout for, you know, photos I can use as, as examples. Mm-hmm. And, Oftentimes, you know, I need to go find something that's that's bad or something that's under. <laughs> I know that I need to fix something, right? And you're like, um, I got that. I, I know I've got one of those. <laughs> I have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so so um, one example from the book is uh, that there the there are two chapters in the beginning that are just strictly walkthroughs. There's a landscape walkthrough and a portrait walkthrough to just sort of like set you up to see, okay. Here's how I would take this photo, and these are all the steps that I would I would take to to uh, edit it, and then the rest of the book sort of goes into more detail on what all the the tools mean and all the steps. And so one of the the pictures that I used for the portraits um, is, is really something that I think normally I might have just you know. Uh, whizzed by and not even looked at it's this picture of my wife in front of a a sunflower field and um, it's it's very underexposed because we were literally driving past this this uh, this field and we you know like the light was starting to get really cool and so we're like okay let's just jump out and take some pictures jumped out took some pictures um but you know the the sky was still really bright there were no clouds or anything so i i underexposed so i wouldn't blow anything out because i knew you know i'm shooting in raw i can probably work with this later yeah and so when i brought it into luminar it was very much the like oh okay this has 
some problems. This needs a lot of work. Uh, but I liked the composition. I liked the look on her face. Like, like she has this sort of this wry look that says, like, okay, I'm being patient while you take my picture, but we're almost done, right? <laughs> that, that, that just kind of captured that moment. Like, like she looks thoughtful and pensive, and maybe I, I can just see because we've been married for so long. Like, okay, <laughs> I know that look in your eyes. The camera has to go away soon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. Um, I'm done. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so, so this picture, you know, I'm sure there are much better pictures that I could have shown, but this was one where I wanted to. Um, you know, take something that 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 really needed a lot of work and see what we can make of it. So, you know, so so there's that part of it. There's also the part of it where you know I'm I'm just going through my library looking at different photos, and you know I I have a 12 year old daughter, and I every time like I I get stuck because I'm like oh oh look at her when she was three oh. <laughs> right, <laughs> and so you know and part of that is like all right so you know I'm. I'm not being quote unquote productive. And so, you know, I, I really shouldn't be spending so much time on this, but like, isn't that the whole point? I mean, if, if, if all of our photos are just on a hard drive and we know it's there somewhere, then, you know, like, like you're not really doing anything. You're not engaging with the reason that you took these pictures in the first place. I love, um, being inefficient with my library of pictures when yeah. some, when I'm looking for something and, and I, I picked this up from Jerry Ulsman as a, as a, a youngster because he left contact sheets all over his surfaces because he believed in the serendipity of discovering something. And since he was all about these weird juxtapositions, you want to maximize the opportunity for that. And so while you can be incredibly efficient with your photos and have folders and this is that and whatever, a lot of times I'm just scrolling through years. I go back to 2008 and just look through the summer of that to see like, oh, I never printed that or I forgot I took that. or, And it's a great experience. I, I think that is something people should en- enjoy, particularly as their technology gets better because you can revisit things that you might have not been able to save when you took it, but now you can. You know? Well, and and the, that's exactly it because not only the technology, but you know, you know more about uh, how you shoot. You know more about editing than you mm-hmm. did five years ago, mm-hmm. and so there th- there have been many times when I've I've gone through and something that you know three years ago I would have said eh, this is not really worth putting some time into. I'll look at it again when it's not fresh at all, or or. Well, it's it's fresh now because I'm I'm relooking at it, but mm-hmm. um, and you know and say oh like I actually really like the composition of this and it's underexposed, but I know that I can fix that. Or and this is something you've matured over those years. Your sense maybe what you liked first was simpler. You had it less totally mysterious sensibilities, and now you go back. Uh, I think every photographer we've had on this show, without without. Um, any exception has said how important it is to live with your pictures, to to print your pictures out or to ex- experience them over long periods of time because your feeling changes. You grow mm-hmm. and what you like changes. And that's another one of the really great things about photography, I think. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is what Jeff's saying too is he has an ability to 
shoot something in a way that he knows he's going to edit it later. Mm -hmm. So he wants to make sure that he's not losing any data. He's not losing any pixels because it's blown out. You know, that he can actually, he's going to underexpose something so that he can fix it later. I, I think it sort of, I mean, it's it's twofold. It's one, you have pictures that you accidentally <laughs> underexposed or you didn't, you kind of sure. didn't really think about it the first time that are now great fodder for you to use and kind of recreate, whether it's an example um, for a book or it's a, it's, a, it's a piece that you want to hang on your wall or to gift later. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you, when you just, when you sort of think about editing now and how you've sort of learned to edit through the process of all of the technology, how does it actually, do you shoot differently? Do you shoot less because, or do you shoot more? Because you just, you would effectively have an infinite amount of edits at your disposal, at your disposal. How, how does this editing knowledge affect your shooting? That's a fantastic question. I find that, um, you know, all right. I will say the good thing, which is, yes, it would be great to shoot everything perfect in camera. And I have so <laughs> much me. respect. That's me. I have so much respect <laughs> for the people who who do that. And quite often, they're, they're, they're people... <laughs> you're shaking your head. You're like, oh, I don't, no, no, no. I don't really do that. <laughs> Thank God um, for post-production. <laughs> totally, totally. But, you know, I, I mean, the, there are photographers, uh, especially photographers who, you know, came up uh, on film or, you know, you know, commercial news photographers who are like, like, would not have the time to do post-production, so they they nail it in camera, and that's that's fantastic. I I have so much respect for that. Uh, so yeah, I I try to get everything right in camera, uh, but knowing what can be done, I, I mean, like uh, underexposing is is the big thing. Um, you know, it, like I know that if I blow out my highlights to absolute white, I can't do anything more with them. Uh, just because, like, like that—that's just burned in and forget it. But the software has has progressed so that you can get a lot of image data out of dark areas using, you know, Luminar or you know other other tools, especially when you're shooting raw. Yeah, especially if you're shooting raw. Not yeah, er- not yeah. everyone can do that, but yes, yes. Yeah, totally. Um, that that you can bring a lot of that detail out without. Having as much, uh, you know, noise was, has always been a problem. If it's if it's really dark and you you bring up the shadows, you can end up with a lot of noise, and that's not as much of an issue anymore. I mean, it can be sure, but you know, knowing knowing what uh, the software can do, also knowing what your camera can do. So yeah, yeah. you know, again, another argument for shoot a lot. Um, I I do tend to overshoot, and then I come back. And I think, oh, I I didn't even shoot this other this other area. Um, there's a there's a group of people that um, have have come on uh, photo workshops that I co lead, and there's there's one woman there, and she inspires me every time because like like her mind goes toward like the fine details, and so you know we we'll go to um, you know some great morning landscape shoot we're going to get the sunrise and all that and i'm i'm thinking big i'm thinking expansive i'm thinking wide i want to know where the sun is all that and then i'll look over and she's just like you know huddled over here looking at you know a leaf that's like three inches uh you know (laughs) three inches long you know and i'm like there's this massive scene over here and you know, she she actually shot that too, and then she kind of you know 
got coverage <laughs> of everything else. And I applaud that. I think that's totally, great. yeah, totally. Because then I I, I end up and I'm like. Uh, oh, right. I, f- I forgot to look at small details and now it's time to get back in the van and, you know, move on. So uh, I I do try to overshoot because we're in digital. It helps that way. I, I, a problem that came up that we saw frequently in Neomodern was people would somehow get convinced by a friend to com- to compress their images in a lossy way. So they, oh, yeah. they, they, they get these great iPhone pictures and for some reason they're, when they stored it on a drive or in the cloud or whatever they did, it dropped it down to being like a, a 4K, like a tiny little uh, whatever. And they'd come in and hope they could print it now later. And um, I, we're, we have so much storage available today at such a, lo- a low cost that it's great to be able to keep these large, relatively large files of images because you, it, I mean, on the off chance you want to manipulate it in some way, whether it's oh, printing yeah. it or just have the, as you said, sort of the, the data in the whites or blacks that you want to yeah. be able to grab hold of. I think it's hilarious that, that cameras sold today even have the setting where you can like, well, you could set your, your JPEG to medium resolution or low resolution <laughs> in order to to like save space it's like oh no my (laughs) i might fill up my 64 gig card with (laughs) my terabytes (laughs) i used the terabyte was like the entire library of congress like the idea that you've got multiple terabytes sitting around that you can throw these files into just endlessly um uh, Jeff, I would love to sit and chat all day. Obviously you're a (laughs) professional and uh, uh, certainly tell us about your podcast real quick Oh, yeah. So Photoactive, uh, we come out every two weeks, uh, Kirk and I, and it's very much, it, it has a bit of an Apple slant to it because we, we were trying not to, you know, just go for professional photographers. Like th- there are a lot of, of podcasts out about that. And so we're, we're very much, uh, I think, partially inspiration, partially practical stuff. Kirk and I end up being a very good team because I have a lot of this, uh, you know, uh, technical and and post-processing background and he has much more of the like uh history of photography and i you feel know, that with him i feel that yeah, totally. we like the same kind of pictures and yes. he definitely like i i feel that connection uh, but it's great you guys are a good uh, team it's great to have that sort of the technical side and the, sort of the historic creative other parts and have it all Absolutely. together it's a great podcast photoactive where do you fi- where can people find it just uh go to photoactive.co uh not com that was taken and they <laughs> wanted a lot of money for it so <laughs> photoactive.co is the website uh, of course you can subscribe in uh podcast itunes all of the, all of the places cool. and your book one more time uh, yeah, the book, The Photographer's Guide to Luminar 4. Uh, you can go to rockynook.com or you can also get it at uh, Amazon, Apple Books. Um, it's it's currently in ebook now and um, it, it's it's being printed. I actually got my, my first author copy in the mail. Uh, it, it, looks, it looks wonderful. So I don't feel so uh, bad that I haven't read it yet. Okay. Right, okay, right, good, right. No, good, like, good, like, like it, 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 it just came out. Um, and so, you know, the, uh, they're probably printed by now and, you know, shipping and all, so, all of that. There's something so satisfying about opening a box when you get your first box of physical books. And right, right. <laughs> and and I, I have to say, again, like going back to the, to the first thing we said, I've written how many dozens of books and like – I was kind of like stupidly giddy when this it, when this. Shit got, I was like, oh, <laughs> Look at print. that! 
it never oh, gets so old <laughs> it never gets old oh my god oh, it's really good and oh you know so you know it's 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 funny that Great. way well congratulations um, yeah, so, really thank you thank you very much I wanted to actually ask you, I know this didn't make it to the show, but I'm just curious because especially Ruben hates the rule of thirds, but you had an episode <laughs> um, on your podcast on Photoactive. Um, it was called Turds. Rule of Turds. Yes. And I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the, I mean, no, the catalyst was sort of a joke, but also just your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, as someone who has written books and stuff, I have, uh, you know, sort of like subscribe to rule of thirds because that's what you read. That's, that's like, like that, that's where it is. And I totally think that it is useful in terms of, okay, here's a starting point. Um, but uh, in fact, in, in that episode, when Kirk and I were, were having this debate, I was like, okay, yeah, but you know, like, like it, it helps for me to, you know, line things up. And I was like, and then I, I went to go find some examples. I was like, oh, that doesn't really follow it. Uh, this one? No, that doesn't really follow it either. <laughs> um, oh, damn it. Kirk's right. <laughs> Kirk and I are in strong agreement on this. I yeah. Think. Yeah. yeah. I, so, you know, like, like I, I think it's absolutely helpful for framing and and getting a start and you know but it's it's not the kind of thing where like if you don't have your th your your subject right here then you're not a good photographer are or you, whatever are you paying uh, noticing i'm doing a composition kind of practice on my fa facebook right now for some people huh? and i addressing I, I address the rule of thirds issue why it's bogus much more concretely than i ever have before through this process um mm -hmm. check it out and we can talk about it separately um yeah but yeah it's like i hate it i, I hate it beyond words and um <laughs> if i if i could do one thing in my entire career one thing it would be to dispel the myth of the rule of thirds by the end of my life that's <laughs> that that's it i have low aspirations that's it <laughs> Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Suzanne, you want to wrap wrap up? Absolutely. Uh, thank you to our our guest, Jeff Carlson. Um, you can find more about him on his website, jeffcarlson.com. Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. And leave reviews and ratings on iTunes or wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. So if you know someone who might get something from us, please send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music. Of course, Jeff, thanks for coming on this morning and all of you for hanging out with us. Please stay safe out there. We appreciate your attention. We hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time. <laughs>